So I'm posting this as a bonus episode because it's not really about dog training, but it is about a pretty incredible and traumatic experience that a woman who is a huge dog lover had with her dog. And uh, I explain in this conversation, which I recorded live on Instagram, uh, why I wanted to talk to Tara Newell, who I first learned about uh, from the podcast Dirty John, and um, she is also portrayed in the dramatization of uh, the story that's told in Dirty John in the TV show called Dirty John. I think I'd say this in the conversation, but I mean, there's so many things to talk about and think about that, that are brought up in Dirty John, but of course, with my dog training point of view, all I could think was, this woman should become a dog trainer. <laughs> anyway, I don't think uh, that is part of Tara Newell's life plan, but I was um, happy that she agreed to talk to me. You can find Tara on Instagram at Tara, T-E-R-R-A, Newell, N-E-W-E-L-L. I also just wanted to mention that my recording settings were a little off for the first minute of this conversation, but um, then they were fixed. So uh, you will hear a transition uh, about a minute in. you on mute on my computer yeah I'm putting you on mute here too so that okay. I can only record in one in one place but I am psyched to get to talk to you and what a beautiful dog so is he a yeah is he a mini Aussie yeah he's a mini Aussie he's like technically known for the um AKC as a North American Shepherd now mm-hmm. because the mini Aussies are considered their own breed because they had to use like a chihuahua or like a like, the smallest of the smallest Aussie to, like, kind of try to, like, breed that breed. What made you decide to, to get to get that or to get him? Um, so I was at a pet store working there, and I was with this guy that in a relationship, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was obsessed with Aussies. And I was just like, oh, okay, I kind of want a papillon um, because they have the butterfly ears, and I really like that. And then I was like, well... They're kind of cool. And so a couple months went by, this one dog came in and it was just like the most gorgeous dog I've ever seen. And then I was like, I need him. I need him in my life. And I asked the owner for a discount and the owner's like, no, that dog's going to sell right away. Like you can't have a discount. And he, I went home and I found the money and I came back and I put a deposit on him. He was just, you were like, just like, that's my dog. Uh-huh. <laughs> so let's back up a little bit. Um, so for those of you who are joining us live, we are on Instagram. I just thought it'd be fun because I know Tara has lots of fans to talk live on Instagram, but I am recording this for School for the Dogs podcast, um, which like I told you, Tara, is about dog training, but I really love talking to people who have kind of unusual stories about their dogs and their relationships with their dogs. And I first encountered you through the Dirty John podcast, and then I watched the TV show, and while I had many thoughts about it and about many, many things, I probably, unlike most people, was like, the dog. I need to know more about the dog. And I also thought I wanted to know more about you and your relationship with your dog because 
I it struck me as um, I, I actually had the thought of like, wow, she would be a really great dog trainer. I bet she doesn't even know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so why don't I, why don't we go a little bit into your background um, with with dogs in general, and then of course you can you can uh, share in whatever I guess relatively succinct way you want to share about um your incredible story uh your life story and your story with cash um but yeah why, why don't you tell me about your your sort of early interest in dogs and uh, how you ended up I believe working you were working as a, a dog groomer right yeah um, so I actually like worked at a pet store for a little bit and, and this is in your you're in uh in southern California right yes but, um, you know, pet stores, um, mixed feelings about those, especially mm-hmm. where the dogs were coming from. Um, not so happy about that. And so when, started, when, when did you start working there? Were you in school? Um, I was a year out of high school. So mm-hmm. I was like, it would have been like my sophomore, like the beginning of my like sophomore year of college. Okay. If that makes sense. Um, so I decided to work there because I moved back from Boulder, Colorado, and it just, Colorado didn't work out for me. And since I was that kid that was always in the dog encyclopedia book, um, I was the kid that was trying to walk everyone's dogs and start a dog walking business mm-hmm. when I was younger. And I just really had a love of the animals. I had ducks. I've had um rats I've had snakes I've had anything I could get my hands on let's just say Mm -hmm. that and it was just animals were my unconditional love so any trauma that I went through I've literally just had my dogs there and they've been my safe haven and my you know they Mm -hmm. made me normal and have empathy and then so I started working at the uh, pet store I was there for probably three years Mm-hmm. And then I started just kind of convincing everyone to not get that dog in the window. <laughs> I would just like ask them questions. I would be like, oh, okay, so you're getting a husky. Do you have a yard for it? Do you know about this breed? How are you experienced dog owner? Um, and I would just ask them questions and make sure that the dog was going to a good home. And um, so that's something that I did that it didn't really work out with me in the past. Yeah, your boss probably <laughs> wasn't that interested in your. <laughs> yeah, well, before I was like one of the top dog selling people because I knew so much about dogs and just my love for dogs would just sell the dogs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because I would be like, oh, this dog's amazing because, you mm-hmm. know, a papillon, um, butterfly ears, these dogs are French. And I would just like go on and on about the dogs that I would love. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, they're super intelligent also, you know. And mm-hmm. then I ended up working on at a dog kennel, kind of canines in Newport Beach. And they were so amazing there. So amazing. I, that was my favorite job ever Mm -hmm. um, just because it was a dog training facility and I really loved keeping up with the training but I started to work under a groomer there named Ty and she just like let me wash all the dogs for her and it was just my love and joy Mm -hmm. and um, I got really sad when I had to go because I ended up moving to Vegas with my boyfriend at that time Mm -hmm. 
And I was, I literally like cried when I gave in my notice. I love mm-hmm. that job so much. Um, so I came to Vegas, started doing dog grooming over there. And then I ended up moving back from Vegas and then coming to a dog kennel and then doing the grooming in Newport Beach. How did you learn to do grooming? So I went to school for it. It's ABC Dog Grooming School. They also mm-hmm. have like ABC tra- Dog Training School and so on. Oh, it's the same. I, I've heard of ABC. I didn't know it was the same ABC. Yeah. Um, so I went through them. They set me up with a mentorship. And then I did my hours through them. Mm-hmm. But wow, I've so- had so much experience before. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you still doing any grooming then? Not really. Not unless it's my sister's Pomeranian. (laughs) Uh, Like, I love Pomeranian cuts, so I Mm -hmm. will do a Pomeranian cut every once in a while. Uh, So, Cash came into your life. When when was that exactly then? Uh, It was 2011 or 12. Okay. And, um, you know, what's so interesting about what you said, like dogs were your savior is one thing about your, your story, which I know anyone who's tuning in who doesn't know, know the, the nitty gritty of it, we haven't gotten gotten there yet. But I I think that um, there is a lot of, um, there are a lot of people who deal with uh, codependence, who, like myself, um, who, uh, connect with dogs have if you thought about that at all oh 100 percent i'm like like, i'm so connected to my dogs mm -hmm. and uh it's it's both like um i actually there's a wonderful book that i that really i I learned so much from um about uh um codependence and narcissism uh it's called the human magnet syndrome and um, and i'd read a lot about codependence and narcissism kind of separately um, just for my, as it had to do with my own life, but this book really kind of talks about the, how they're two sides of the same coin, which I, I felt, um, you know, I strongly saw in the story of, um, of your mom, uh, especially, but actually this book that I, I found it through a vet who was writing a okay. blog about codependence and how, um, how people who work with animals deal, deal with a lot of codependence themselves and also codependence and, in, uh, in their clients. Um, anyway, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about how, um, how your story, uh, with cash, uh, came to such an apex. Okay. Um. (laughs) So, um, my mom married a psychopath, not knowing (laughs) that he was a psychopath. A true psychopath. Uh, yes, a true psychopath. Like, um, not saying this just because, like, he was – he checked all the boxes for a psychopath. Let's just say that. And he was a serial perpetrator. He went after so many women. And she wasn't the only one. He was just the – she was just the only one that he got caught with and mm-hmm. stuff. Well, like, he got caught in other things, but he got caught – trying to kill me let's say that um so indeed yeah (laughs) my mom left him and then he ended up coming after her one night but she was unavailable Um, my sister actually saw him and then like chased him down in her car 
And then, so the next day he came to my house and I, like, I, w- I had a warning from my sister. And then I was just so preoccupied because I was going to the Jason Aldean concert that night. So <laughs> I came in through the gate. I saw this guy with a tire iron and I looked over because Cash started barking and growling at him. And I kind of no, thought, no, just, just, just to, to pause for a second, had he ever, um, had he ever made you feel uncomfortable before around cash or having to do with cash or, n- or just, no, no, not really. Like we met one time I stayed at my mom's place and it was a bad experience because I ended up leaving with my dogs. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I stayed there twice and um, the first time it was okay, but the dogs were very anxious. Like I had a border collie and then I had a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel, not the same Cavalier that I have now, but um, I had that Cavalier and then cash and all of them were just anxious. And then they had the runs and so that was a lot of fun. Um, and I don't know if that had anything to do with the energy with John, probably because it was tense. Um, and, you know, dogs pick up on energy and like if something's anxious or, you know, it could have even been from travel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many things why the dogs could have had runny stool. So um, like that was their interaction. And then my mom wanted to take the dogs on a walk one night. And she, I was like, okay, like, you could take the dogs on a walk if it's that important to you. And she took the dogs on a walk, and she said that they were the worst dogs ever, that they were trying to go everywhere. And I have a Border Collie and an Australian Shepherd. And if you know those dogs, um, well, first of all, they're very smart, but they're, like, they're easily trainable. And um, so... If this person was a dog person, he would know how to put my dog back in line, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and my dogs don't act like crazy when I walk them. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, hmm, that's a little strange, you know? And it made it seem like I was the bad dog owner, which I was like. Was she walking him with John? Yes. Okay. And they made and you they, feel like yeah. you, you did something wrong, that your dogs weren't perfect? Yes. And I was like, okay, like, whatever, like, whatever, mom, <laughs> like, brush it under the rug. And then, mm-hmm. um, like, those were, like, really the only interactions that Cash and my other dogs had with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mo- moral is if your dogs have the runs, <laughs> well, your mom might be with a psychopath. But, like, John also, well, okay, John was trying to pet them, and then Cash, like, did this thing with his head. Where he didn't want to see him. Mm-hmm. And so that was weird to me because Cash goes up to people and he'll literally lay on them and just like nudge his head against them. So when his mm-hmm. head's like flailing, like he doesn't want to like have mm-hmm. him pet his neck or anything, that's really weird to me. I'm always, I always, I'm always skeptical when people talk about like, you know, energy with dogs, it seems like this invisible thing, but I do believe that there might be like subtle bo- bits of body language that dogs can pick up on, yeah. you know, especially for someone who, you know, is a, a real true psychopath. <laughs> well, like Cash picked up it 
on that day when he was there to attack Mm -hmm. and I think it was just you know John's intentions with me Mm -hmm. like you know John's intentions with me when I came to visit my mom wasn't to hurt me that time it was to just isolate me Mm -hmm. and then his intentions when he came to attack me was to kill me so Mm -hmm. I think my dog knows like that survival instinct you know and it kicks in it's like okay when is this guy a threat is he a threat now or is Mm -hmm. he a threat when he's trying to kill my mom and take away my mom's life and then my mom's not going to be able to feed me or anything you know yeah someone's asking was cash ever reactive in other situations good question not Not really really. i mean after the attack there's Mm -hmm. been people that he's just been not so great with um okay so well let's tell let's talk about the the details then of exactly what happened so you were in the parking lot right yes i was in the parking lot i pulled in cash saw him and i thought it was just a homeless guy with a tire iron Mm. and i told cash to knock it off he stopped barking immediately because i told him and i gave him that command and um so I pulled into my spot I got cash out of the back seat and then when I got around to like my license plate I um parked forward into the spot he grabbed me by the waist and then looked me in the eyes and said do you remember me and I immediately tried to flee away from that situation I immediately dropped Cash's leash right away so that Cash could fend for himself. And I put my arm up and with my purse, and um, I just really protected my heart and my vital organs by doing that. And I just tried to run and get away, but I wasn't able to get away. And then I just try to like push him away from me, but I wasn't able to do that. He tried to cover my mouth because I was screaming. I bit him as hard as I could. He let go because that hurt. And where um, where was Cash during this time? Cash, um, so like I wasn't aware, but I think at this time, Cash was already attacking his ankles. He must've been worried about Cash then at the same time. Um, to be honest, well, like it happened so quickly where I'm like, I, like, I didn't even think about cash, to be honest. I, the, my initial instinct was let go of cash's leash and let him like run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so like, I was hoping cash was running, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and running away because I was like, that is my baby. If he got my baby, like I would be done. I would be like, just kill me. <laughs> you can kill me. I'm okay with that. Um, so, yes, he tried to keep attacking him. Cash was just attacking his ankles. Um, I kept getting hit, and, like, I got stabbed at that point, but I didn't know I was getting stabbed um, because he had the knife in a Del Taco bag. And so um, I ended up, like, getting away from him somehow but I ended up on my back and then he was on top of me with his like on his knees just um trying to will at me with the knife and at this point the knife is visible and since I work at the dog kennel I wore uh rain boots every day because I hose down the yards and stuff Uh and so I had that as a um factor in my part 
and I just started kicking and I started blocking the knife as it came down on me. I kicked his forearms and then it immediately landed on my right hand side into the ice picks position. It was the perfect position to pick it up. I literally just did not give it a second thought, just picked it up right when it landed and started wheeling back on him. And, um, I guess Cash was still attacking him at this time too. Um, but like I, it's so like tunnel vision where I didn't even see Cash this whole time. Like I didn't see Cash until after anything. Um, so I ended up stabbing him and I, I thought I stabbed him in like the chest, but I stabbed him in like the back because I just like, you know, sometimes the brain doesn't connect the dots when you're in a trauma. Um, and well, so, you, don't, you didn't have a lot of stabbing experience either, I'm Well, sure. I'm like, I've never stabbed anything. Um, so, you know, I like I was overthrowing it and I got mm-hmm. him in his back. Um, I guess I got him 13 times. And then the last time was in the head. And I actually did give thought to this because I watch a lot of Walking Dead. <laughs> I held his head as he like started to like lose life and lose energy mm-hmm. and I stabbed him once in, in like the forehead and the last one was in the eye because I was like well that's the softest point of entry to mm-hmm. the brain so and I don't want him to get up and get me again like because you watch so many horror movies where they just keep getting up and you're like Wait, and for all you knew, he had a gun, too. I mean, yeah. it's really lucky, I guess, that he didn't have a gun. Yeah, no, he tried to get a gun. Um, He couldn't get one because of his, like, parole and all that mm, stuff. Mm, or mm. his, not parole, but um, him being in jail before and all that. God. Wow. So you were rushed to the hospital with your dog, right? So I wasn't rushed. you strolled (laughs) let's make that clear first um I literally got down the ramp I called my mom and I told her I'm so sorry this happened or I'm so sorry I think I killed your husband oh my god Um, because like oh god Tara well I felt bad you know and I didn't want to do that um and then I also like called my ex-boyfriend at the time and I thought he blocked me because he didn't have service. And so I freaked out on him for a moment. <laughs> this was all before calling 911? Oh, I didn't call 911. <laughs> that was my last thought, to be honest. <laughs> my Fair mom enough. was like, let me call all my family members and make sure they're okay and that they know. Well, and then also there was like 20 people that called 911. Right, because uh, people were there. watched it happen. Mm-hmm. Um from their balcony so mm-hmm. uh the the one was like already on their way mm-hmm, and they were mm-hmm. like almost there like the ambulances just got there when i i think i called my mom or something and they arrived mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so like i knew like i didn't have to make that call but to be honest like i don't know if i would have made that call in that moment just like thinking about it now yeah like, well if I mean, it was else, it wasn't a, yeah. a situation where you there was any precedent. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like if anyone else got hurt, I would call my 
reaction would be to call 911 but because like it's me you know mm-hmm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not thinking um I'm in shock at this sure, point right. so I'm not uh, thinking absolutely. really clearly <laughs> and um like your brain just like does what it needs to do during that time Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I called everyone that was comforting to me or anyone that I needed to, like, I needed to apologize for killing John, you know? So I called my mom right away. And um, then the ambulances come, they get John, they revive him and stuff. Um, but he's, like, brain dead. And then uh, they bring him to the hospital. They were going to bring me to the same, or wait, n- not this time. So I went to Hogue and then I got to Hogue and I had like a, an inch deep cut on my forearm and um, they kind of just wrapped it. And then I had to be questioned for hours and hours until I was able to get stitches and stuff. <laughs> and I just think how, like, I'm just really mad at how they treat victims uh, because this was not my fault. This isn't something to ask for, but the way that they made me feel and the way that they like put me in the hospital and just like questioned me and the way they did it was not the nicest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that experience was traumatic itself. And I was literally there for five hours at least. And then they realized that I have another stab wound. Oh my God. They didn't even, like, inspect you. <laughs> no. No. And that's the treatment that they give to victims. Oh, my God. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're, they're like, trying to revive your, your attacker. right away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it's just, like, that was traumatic to me. Um, mm-hmm. Very traumatic. And then um, I just have to say something because, like, I hope anyone that listens to this and if they're a cop or anything, like, I hope they listen and then treat the victim with empathy and patience and kindness, because that's really what I needed in that circumstance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, you know, to, to bring it back around to <laughs> to dogs and dog training, um, you know, when a dog is, is you know, what we call reactive, aggressive, um, it can it can seem counterintuitive, but off, off, often they're like triggered and scared. And yeah. what they what they need more than anything else is to feel safe and comforted. And um, but when you're in that moment, it can uh, you know, as a person dealing with a dog like that, it can seem counterintuitive to be you know coddling a dog who is you know in an attack mode. Um, oh yeah, but there, but there you were basically in 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 an attack mode um, that was completely, completely understandable. Yeah, see, um, at the dog kennel when a dog was like that, we would try to like be like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, we mm-hmm, would, mm-hmm. like soothe it, and then we would try to give it food, you know, right. mm-hmm, <laughs> try mm-hmm. to like lure it to us so that it can come and have a safe environment. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting, <laughs> interesting kind of uh, parallel. Um, and uh, so, I mean, uh, fortunately, you you recovered and you've you know now now made a made a, a, a kind of career about helping people understand yeah. um, 
well, I don't know, how, how would you describe your, your current career and how does cash fit into that? Um, so I'm a life coach. Um, and well, like, I think it's really funny that you asked, like, how does cash fit into that? I've actually had a few people that are in the animal industry mm-hmm. and I've had to explain to them relationships is like a relationship with a dog. Sometimes you need to train people like you train dogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was telling her, I was like, when you tell a dog, no, do you tell a dog no and you walk away and that's it? Or do you keep telling that dog no over and over again? And she's like, well, you tell the dog no once and then you're done. And I'm like, ideally, okay. right. <laughs> so that's what you do with your boundaries. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if someone doesn't respect your no, it's no once and then you drop it. Mm-hmm. If they bring it up again, that person doesn't really serve your energy. Or you have to figure out, you have to kind of use the broken record method with them, mm-hmm. which you don't use with dogs, you know, and you have to tell them over and over again. Um, yeah, that's or, such a true true lesson with no. I yeah. I always, you know, I'm I always use my neighbor as an example. Every day she's yelling to her dog like, "No, no bark, no bark, no bark," and every day the dog barks, and I want to be like. You know, if no was going to work, it would have worked by now. Right? <laughs> now this is just your relationship. Your relationship is you say no to your dog, your dog barks, and this is this is what you have. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, with dogs of eating, like, I have um, – my dogs are kind of very possessive. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, one of them, like, guards the food, and she'll go back and forth to, like, go to both bowls. I literally have to – I'll tell her no once. And if she doesn't listen, then I literally have to go over there and establish that no. And mm-hmm. like, I'll just like walk up if she starts to come over and go towards uh, Cash's bowl. And then I just stand and I just stare and I just stand my ground. You make and, it you know, very clear. Standing your boundaries. You make it very <laughs> clear that she's not going to get away with this. Mm-hmm. You uh, you might be interested in reading the book uh, if you haven't um, called "Don't Shoot the Dog" by Karen Pryor. Okay. It's really about um, it's about using positive reinforcement and sort of um, using uh, ideas that are rooted in in the science of behavior with people. It's called "Don't okay. Shoot the Dog," but it's actually not really about dogs. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that. Um, that, you know, boundaries is certainly something that we think about a lot with dogs. And a lot of the times it's like setting up physical boundaries, you uh-huh. know, like yeah. saying you, you, um, you know, managing the environment in order to get the behaviors that, that we want. Yeah. Now, how, how did Cash do, um, or how has he been? You, you said he, he was a little bit traumatized from the experience. How did oh, that yeah. express itself? So when I was in the hospital in um, the ICU, Cash was there with me because he is an ESA dog. And I mm-hmm. had my doctor's notes and legally they had to let him go with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, and he's honestly, um, we never did good citizen training or anything. But because I worked at the dog kennel for so long, like I knew the rules of a service dog and like the ESA and a therapy dog like I knew all the rules of like what aligns with what mm-hmm. 
And so he knows, like, he can't do certain things. Like, if food drops on the floor, he's not allowed to get it, you know? Mm -hmm. He's not allowed to jump on people. He's not allowed to do this and that, you know? And so um, he was very well-behaved when I was there. But when my nephew went to go hug him, and, like, he's been with my nephew since he was a puppy, and my nephew was two years old. So, like, they kind of, like, grew up in their baby stages together, you know? Mm-hmm. And he bit my nephew. At the hospital. At the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he's never done that. And my nephew is, you know, not a threat to him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But because he was so shaken up and said he bit my nephew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then luckily my friend um, came and she's a dog trainer. She was at the hospital and she like just took him and like, got him walking to release that energy because when dogs get aggressive sometimes um you really got to move around that energy so -hmm. that they kind of work it out themselves and so she just kind of had him like start walking and like working out that energy and how he felt and then that helped him and then he also went and saw um some of the cancer patients there And he, like, visited with them and, like, gave them love and stuff. Oh, while you were at the hospital? Yeah. Look at that. He was busy doing good. (laughs) Right? So, like, he's truly, like, when people, like, are, like, oh, like, a service dog, a therapy dog, like, you can't tell if he is or not. Like, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you can – you think he was a service dog if you were – watching his actions but like he's not a service dog quote-unquote well i i have like issues with the whole like service (laughs) dog designation only because i think like there are a lot of dogs who are well enough behaved um to be service dogs and there should probably be more service dogs out there um but that like we judge we were not judge, but like we um, label service dogs based on like the disabilities of the person that um, owns the dog rather than yeah. looking at like the abilities of the actual dog. And it sounds like Cash has those abilities, you know? Yeah. Well, I've also like seen some people with quote unquote service dogs and then their dogs have uh, dreads and stuff. And I'm like, do you know one of the rules is like your dog has to be clean when he's working? <laughs> Right, right. Or a lot of people have, you know, there there are plenty of people who have service dogs who, you know, their dog might be able to um, do whatever the service is and is legit because the person has a legitimate disability, but that doesn't mean the dog is necessarily able to be in crowded environments or be, you know, or to travel or like be around people or do all the like things that, you know, a well, so a dog should be very well socialized if it's going to be a service dog and and uh, but because all the focus of you know whether or not a dog is truly a service dog has to be uh, has to do with the person's disability more than has to do with the dog's training it can become it can become uh, tricky um yeah. ha- have have you found that he's different around uh, a men or different in parking lots or not parking lots no. i haven't noticed that at all um just around certain men like, if there's someone that he feels is a little bit off, he's going to bark at him and tell him to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he feels that this person's not a threat, he's going to go up to them and sit on their feet. <laughs> is, is that different than how things were before the attack? 
Okay, so before he wasn't as protective, Mm -hmm. but now he is a bit more. Um, But I think we worked through a good amount of his trauma too because Mm -hmm. dogs carry it. Dogs, um, they get traumatized and you have to work through things. Um, He still has things where he does lick fits right now. (laughs) Lick fits? Lick fits, but I really think that's just like, Aussies and COVID and not being able to go to the dog park every day. Where he'll just lick you like like mad? No, no. Where he has um so Aussies oh, he'll lick himself. Uh, yeah, they'll lick themselves. Where mm-hmm. Aussies they since their mind since they're so smart, mm-hmm. they have to have a lot of activity or they they have to have their job to do. Mm-hmm. If they don't have their job, then they get super bored and they start to deteriorate themselves. Hmm. And that's why I don't recommend for a lot of people to have Australian shepherds because mm-hmm. you really have to work those dogs. They're a working dog. Yeah, it is a lot of work. Yeah. So do you see yourself um, doing anything with with dogs in the future, ca- career-wise or uh, coaching-wise? To, to be honest, not really. No. Um, I used to want to be a dog broker and find people their perfect dog. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I feel like that's really hard to do mm-hmm. and because like some people get, they get the dog and then, you know, having a puppy is really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they might not think it's the perfect dog right now, but like two years down the line, they're like, oh my gosh, this dog was the perfect fit for our family and stuff. Like I got one of my friends, an Australian shepherd, and let's just say we didn't, we stopped being friends for a little bit because... <laughs> Well, first of all, I got the dog for him, and it was a gorgeous Australian Shepherd, tricolor, but I may have been a bit bossy or just, like, know it all with, like, dogs, because, you know, I, that's, that was what I used to do, so I probably told them too much to do with the dog, and so that kind of backfired, (laughs) so I'm like, the dog brokership is not really something I want anymore <laughs> okay <laughs> well they're they love their dog we're great now and that they're like Tara you really know how to pick out dogs and I'm like yes oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I, I it's interesting I, I don't know people who do that but I do think especially like uh, it seems to me like there there's a and there there's an a niche waiting to be filled of someone who can I mean I guess we we've done this on occasion for clients but Someone who can like go to a breeder and and vet which are the good breeders or someone who can like go to a shelter and pick out like this dog would be a good fit for you. And yeah, I don't don't know what you, I guess dog broker maybe is what you call that person. Yeah, dog broker. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Um, I used to know a really big dog broker, but they took dogs from puppy mills and that's not the kind of dog broker I want to be. I want to be like an individual one that picks out the perfect dog for your family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you must know a lot more about puppy mills than than your average person. Oh, from, I, from, I do. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, from working at the pet stores. Oh yeah, no, I actually did a com like not a conference call, but a Zoom call with one of the people that found us on Embark and said that she's a relative of Cash's. Oh, I, that's and, funny. I, I just did that for my dog, and someone reached really? out that they're a cousin of my dog. Yeah, <laughs> hi Cash. She's so cute. Thank you, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
It's so funny. I, I told her a lot about like where they came from and stuff because she rescued her dog. So she mm-hmm. had no idea where he came from. And I was like, oh, I got everything. <laughs> I even yeah. became friends with one of the girls that worked there so that I would call her and like get information from her. Like what's going from, on. <laughs> so you, he came from a puppy mill and you actually know about the puppy mill that he came from. So he came from a breeder, quote unquote. I don't know if it was really. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Cheryl Tietz in mm-hmm. um, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But she also, I noticed she bred Papillons too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are some other dogs that I noticed came from her too. So, like, I didn't think that she was breeding only Aussies, which a good breeder would only breed the dogs that they know. If mm-hmm. And they would keep an eye on them, make sure they're in good health, make sure they're not breeding a deaf Aussie or a blind Aussie. Um, mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. if they have the MDR1 gene, they also mm-hmm. try not to breed that into the dog's well, I mean, I'm I'm like skeptical of anyone who breeds a dog and then sells it to a pet shop. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm like, I mean, unless you have like a really overflow of puppies, and you're like, I just like I don't know what to do with them, you know? I'm like maybe a pet store, but yeah, just the people that would go in there, a lot of them would come in drunk from dinner. And oh my god, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that. I've heard that's a thing, like uh, drunk puppy buying. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then it's so sad because a lot of them would get returned. And we wouldn't do refunds. And so, like, we would do refunds if the dog had a general... A congenital disease or like a the lemon, lemon laws they call it yeah right? mm-hmm. but um like we wouldn't get refunds and it was just so horrible to see these people and then mm. people would do it when they weren't drunk too they would get the dogs and then return them because they're like mm. i can't handle this i'm like well you can't handle a kid <laughs> <laughs> um there, there's a, a an interesting book called um, The Dog Merchants that's all about kind of the underground world of, of pet shops and uh, and dog breeding. Um, and uh, I, I actually think, you know, I, I think a good dog breeder is, is an amazing thing because like these are like they're creating these animals that need to be able to like live in our worlds. And and uh, it's not it's no small thing to to have a healthy, well-adjusted to make a healthy, well-adjusted dog. He is so yeah. cute. Look at that guy. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Um, uh, as an emotional support animal, do you feel like he's been part of your your recovery? Oh, absolutely. Because um, I got to be honest, there was a time where I was super triggered. And I don't think I treated Cash the best way. And that really hurt me because I love him with all my heart and my soul. And that really kind of prompted me to get better so that I could have my dog be in the best environment possible. You felt um, like you weren't you weren't giving him enough attention, enough care? Or I'm just like, well, I would have like these triggers. Mm-hmm. And then if like he had an accident, I would lose my, sh- like, 
mind. Like, I wouldn't on him, you know, but mm-hmm. he would, like, I would just be screaming. I would be so emotional. I'd be crying. And I wouldn't know how to, like, deal with, you know, dog poop, where before I would, like, pick it up and it would be fine. Um, so I really had to get better and work on my PTSD with that because it's just not healthy coming in, seeing an accident from when he had an upset stomach or something and then flipping out, you know, Mm -hmm. that wasn't a healthy way to deal with things. And so I really, and he was scared. He would shake, he would go Mm -hmm. into the other room and I just Mm -hmm. like, but I couldn't stop myself from like having those triggers if that makes Mm -hmm. sense and um I just it pushed me to do a lot of work on myself get healing and get to the point where like now I see that I'm like oh are you feeling bad let me take care of you you know right you feel more yourself yeah Mm -hmm. and so I think that PTSD like Luckily, Cash knows when to go away from me and to leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of dogs don't know that, mm-hmm. you know. And so that was a really big journey. And I'm so happy to be at the end of, other end of that, at least. Um, does your mom have a dog? Um, so she had two. But she mm-hmm. gave – my mom travels a lot. Mm-hmm. And for business and stuff. And she had an English cream golden with John. Mm-hmm. And then Oh really? They got a they had a dog together? Yes, they did. Um and I actually had her right when I got attacked, but I gave her to my mom that night. And mm-hmm. I think that may be one of the reasons why John did come after me too, is because I had his precious dog. Ah. And like love Murphy. Murphy is like such a sweetheart, such a great dog. Um, but it was so hard having his dog. Hmm. Hmm. And um, so she went back to my mom and then um this one right here. <laughs> oh, who's this dog? What's this is mine too, but I've like shared her with my mom. Oh, um, what's her name? Coco. She's a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. And Coco, oh, giving you kisses. Yes, um, <laughs> Cavaliers do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was with Murphy, my mom's dog, and they were like best buds. And then mm-hmm. when my mom moved and stuff, my brother took my mom's dog but it's mm-hmm. it works out really great because my brother's kids absolutely love and adore her mm-hmm. and they're her favorite and um so I just love that and then I have Coco because I actually picked out Coco because um I had a Cavalier for 14 years mm-hmm. and then I went and looked for a rescue but you can't really find a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel rescue Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unless you like are so lucky mm-hmm. um and I was looking for the rescue for a year and a half and then decided like okay let's start looking around for breeders too mm-hmm. and then I asked everyone that had a cavalier where's your dog from do you like the breeder is your dog in good health and then that I found um Monticello cavaliers in Augusta Georgia Oh, great. Yeah. yeah, Cavaliers can be prone to health problems. So Oh yeah. So yeah, you no, knew what I, knew what questions to ask. 
my last cavalier had a congenital heart problem, um, mm-hmm. but she didn't develop it until she was 11. So that mm-hmm. was really good for the breed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tara, I think you're an inspiration and I'm so happy to, to get a, a, a dog centric <laughs> take on your, your incredible life so far and to see your adorable dogs. Yeah. Uh, Although I guess those listening to the podcast won't get to see them, but I can attest to how cute they are. Yeah. Oh, now they're both in frame. Look at that. <laughs> come here. Cash, come here. Oh, did they get along? Oh, yeah. They love yeah. each other. Aww. Um, and uh, I still think you would be a really great positive reinforcement trainer. <laughs> Thank you. If you're ever interested in doing any classes with, with one of them or both of them, let me know. We'd, we'd love to have you. We do virtual yeah. sessions. Always down for a training such. Yeah. I need to re up on um his training because you know, Aussies they're really smart, so they feel like they don't need to do stuff that they used to do. Well, you know, especially during lockdown, um, you know, God knows how long this is gonna continue, but like a, a dog who has like a, a smart a, sm- a smarty pants dog like that, you know, they need to stay active, they need to oh, keep yeah. doing things. So like I think the kind of training we do, which is meant to be like super fun um, and engaging can help tire out their brain or tire them out like with indoor activities when you can't go Ooh, for long walks and that. stuff. All right. Well, I'll send you some information. That'd be really fun. Yay. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, this will be up on the podcast probably in, in the next week or two weeks. I will let you know. Um, but it's great to, great to meet you and get to talk to you. Thank you yes. so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's so nice to meet you and talk to you too. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks, you too. Bye.